You need to cultivate optimism in your workplace. Optimists take less sick days, are 40% more likely to get promoted, they work harder, and they perform 56% better than their pessimistic peers. My name is Stephen Norton and you are very welcome to the Good Boss Bad Boss podcast episode 21. Thank you for joining me again as we explore the world of work and leadership from a variety of different industries. This podcast seeks to entertain, educate and hopefully change some behaviour to make working life better for all. The year 2020 has been a bit of a dose to say the least and we all need a little optimism. Just last weekend I had the privilege of meeting Santa Claus as he did some last minute checks here in my local area and it really lifted everyone's mood. Christmas is my favourite time of the year. People are much nicer to each other and you can spend time reconnecting with old friends even if it's just virtually. Do you have someone you've lost touch with? Maybe an old boss that you really valued? Why not pick up the phone and tell them that they made a positive impact? Christmas gifts don't have to be expensive. My guest this month has spent his year giving gifts throughout his network. I first connected with Bobby Power on LinkedIn and he explained how he was featuring local Irish businesses on his Go Wild magazine website to give people a leg up during these tough times. After chatting for a while, I knew others would really benefit from his infectious optimism. Bobby is publisher of Go Wild Magazines, which showcases the best that Ireland has to offer across seven magazine titles covering everything from the Wild Atlantic Way to Ireland's ancient east. His work promoting Ireland and local businesses that make up Ireland's tourist industry is award-winning. And more recently, the Go Wild Ireland digital directory has been featured on the Lonely Planet website. He's certainly not shy and he has a massive network that supports him as he supports them. But his road to magazine publishing wasn't a straight one and his resilience and can-do attitudes shines throughout his story. He even tried his hand partnering with Santa and as you'll find out he was actually ahead of his time. A beautiful story nonetheless. So grab a cuppa and a slice of Christmas pudding and enjoy this chat with Bobby. Bobby Power, you're very welcome to the Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Pleasure to be here. So when we first met, we got talking straight away. It was a very easy flowing conversation. So uh, it, in a way for me, this feels like we're actually just continuing on the conversation. It doesn't feel like the start. So forgive me if we if we skip over things and we uh, we actually miss out major points. So to be very, very structured about this, we want to know about you first, because I know a little bit about you, but it'd be great to go right back to the start and find out who Bobby Power is. Okay, backstory is uh, backstory is very simple, really. Uh, born in Waterford, so I'm a Dacia man. Uh, even though I think we were kind of half Kilkenny, but then, you know, never mind. We were, we were able to have <laughs> can't have everything and hurting in Kilkenny, so we were kind of covered, you know. Uh, left Waterford and moved to Galbally in Tipperary, where I got married, and we uh, had uh, two kids, you know, and I worked in the buildings initially for us. When, when we built the house, I was actually working in the buildings because back then, that's what, you know, you didn't really get a choice in jobs. I, I left a job in engineering, finished up on a building site. Right. Uh, massive education. Building site was a massive education. It was like growing up. It was, uh, you know, you were, you were always seemed to be hardworking. I, I, back then, when you said you were dead tired, you actually meant it. Yeah. Today yeah. you say you're tired and mentally tired and physically tired, but you're not dead tired. In the building game way back when they were on peace rate, there were, they were, you know, it was a lot tougher times. So then when that kind of finished up, I 
inadvertently got into advertising. Now, this, the story behind that is very simple. Uh, my wife and I had a breakup at the time, and I needed to find something new that would generate a consistent uh, income. Yeah. Because I had tried one or two little small com- small companies, but they weren't working out very well. So I said, look, I need a regular income. I've got maintenance. i got all that to pay. So <clears throat> um, I approached the limit leader. There was no job on offer. Yeah. But I went in and I knocked on the door and I met the sales manager and I said to him, look, you know, I am the guy you're looking for. I had no experience of advertising. Yeah, you, you'd, um, come off the, you'd come off the building site now. Off the building site, yeah. So, so you know, the, so I, well, what, what made go, you think that this was the, this was the best I move in the world? I think I had a conversation with somebody in a pub and said, Bob, you'd be perfect in sales. And I went, well, who's looking for sales? They said, well, have you tried the limit leader? And I'm like, going, it's a big newspaper. I didn't know much about it, but hey, I'll go and go and ask, right? Right. So I went in and I met Fergal Deegan, who then was the sales manager. And uh, Fergal had been there for years. And we had a quick chat and we just got on together. And I just said, look, I'm looking, I need to find something that uh, I can do. And if you'll take a chance, I'll, I'll prove you right. Yeah. And although he was, um, I found out later that he was advised maybe what might not be his best decision, <laughs> he took the decision, he hired me. So there was a, a lady there at the time who was a fantastic sales rep. I said, well, Bob, so, I won't use her name, but he said, so-and-so is a uh, top salesperson here. So you got to kind of match her. And so I met her and I said, look, we're going to become great friends, but I'm, you know, I'm going to be selling when you're gone home to the kids. Yeah. I'm going to be selling in, in, the, in the nightclubs. I'm going to just sell 24-7 because I have to. Right? Yeah. So very quickly, I established my name in the limit leader as a sales rep. And I was there for seven years as a rep. And I don't think anybody knew my surname. I was Bobby from the leader. And I think today, if you ask someone who, you know, do you know Bobby from the leader? They go, yeah. Right. If you said, do you, do you know Bobby Power? They'd probably go, no. Yeah. So then I left and I set up a media buying company where I would buy media on behalf of clients. So I was dealing with radio stations and newspapers. And so I went on the other side of the fence for a while. And that was a great education because I was dealing with, I might be buying, say, for uh, the uh, University of Limerick. And I, they might say, well, look, Bob, we want to get a radio campaign. So I'd price it and I get the hour, the timing, and I get the script yeah. done. And I really enjoyed it because it was a huge variety. Yeah. yeah. So then I was, I was doing that. And one day I got a phone call, as it happens. And it was from the new managing director of the Limerick Leader, Irene Hampton. And we had a chat and she was asking how, what I was doing and all that. She said, look, you know, we're looking for a sales manager. Would you like to come back? Right. I went, I was driving out the Ennis Road and everything. I went, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's go back and give it a go again. You know, so. Even, a, even though they say never go back. Yeah. I went back as a sales manager. I went into a, a good, good team in place. They had a huge amount of potential. And yes, times were tough when I went back and the sales figures were not what they needed to be. So we had a bit of a, a tough two years where we didn't, uh, we worked extremely hard. What, what, to get what, back. what year was this? Where, you know, when, when did you go back to, to uh, Limerick let me Leader? See. I, I joined the Leader in 1999. So that was, that was seven, that was 2006, 2006. Then I was gone for, I think, two years, 2008. Yeah, I think I came back in 2008. 
oh, just when the world was buoyant with money. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, so the, the financial um, crash had hit and you, you went back yeah, to so do a job. I think there was there. It's very hard to work the time in the back, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm doing go wild now six years. That's 2020, right? So that was 2014. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the timing would be right. So uh, I was, I went back as sales manager. I had a good team. Uh, some of the team have, who worked with me back then have gone on to be major successes. So I'm quite proud of Great. all of them and, and how they turned out. Because obviously we had our fights and our arguments and the whole lot, but mm. we got the job done. That was, the, yeah. you know, that was the, at the end of the day that that's what mattered. Was, was that your first uh, leadership role, you know, where actually other people were relying on you? role, yeah. 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 yeah it was kind of like a, a diving in the deep end, you know, because mm. I'm not the kind of character who does uh, management. Mm. You know, I like to have fun. So we tried to mix a lot of fun into it with, you know, but we... I suppose the kind of person that I am, if I saw a sales that's struggling, I went out and I helped them to sell. Yeah. And if that boosted their numbers, great. You know? Yeah. Because it was what, in a way, Fergal, when Fergal was the boss there, Fergal Deegan, uh, who first employed me, when he was the boss there, we had, obviously there was an awful lot more money rolling in the door at that point. Mm. But Fergal was very easygoing, very laid back, good fun, good laugh, good crack. So it made the atmosphere in the office very, not jovial, but fun to be in. Yeah. So we, did, we, try, we tried to recreate that as best we could, even though we still had to get the numbers. Right? Yeah, yeah. So then one day I was at an event and I had a chat with Mark Hopkins from Hopkins Communications. And Mark said he was planning to open up an office in Limerick. And would I be interested in uh, running it for him? Right. So I said, you know what, why not? It sounded like a good, good idea, it was a good offer there. So I knew I had a client base that I could probably help to bring to Hopkins Communications. Yeah. So yeah, so we, the first year was extremely successful. And then in year two, which would have been around 2013, I think Forge Ireland announced the Wild Atlantic Way. Yes. Formation of it. And I thought, what a great idea for a magazine. A magazine based so, on the Wild Atlantic Way. A magazine based on the Wild Atlantic Way, yeah. So I said it to Mark, and Mark, in fairness to him, said, well, Bob, yeah, well, look, you can carry on and try and start it, and you still have a job here. Okay. Yeah. So he, Safety like, net. He was, yeah, no, yeah, well, it was, and he, he was great about it because he could have just said, well, look, you know, take a hike, but he didn't. So we got, we got it going, and then I decided, look, Mark, I need to give this my full attention because it's got great potential. So that was uh, 2014. So yeah, so we went into Go Wild in 2014. And obviously, selling the f- when I went to sell the first issue of Go Wild, because I called it Go Wild, it was kind of funny when nobody knew the name. Yeah. You're asking advertising Go Wild. You get some raised eyebrows when you make that call. <laughs> Would you like to be eyes. in Go Wild magazine? No, no, drink, drink. I got a lot of that. Yeah. I got a lot of that the first year. Good fun. I don't get it anymore. Sometimes it's a bit of a disappointment that you don't, but never mind. Well, I, I, I think the one thing about branding is, is that, you know, that, you know, you, you can't be the same. So you have to actually make it slightly stand out. And yeah. actually, when you think of Irish tourism and, and what Ireland is about, it's about the outdoors. 
you know yeah, it's about yeah, actually totally. finding that little nook or cranny that nobody else is in that little headland with the little castle on it that oh geez there's yeah. a little gem of a place so in a way you have to kind of go wild to get out there in Ireland Correct. so it's lovely yeah I, I really like the yeah. name but you grew I mean the magazine grew uh, you know it's not just one magazine yeah it's not one it's uh, well it's currently seven um, so yeah look I mean uh, did we did we plan it no we didn't we planned mm. the first one yeah we planned the second one when we discovered there was an opportunity to, you know, split and add food on it. I tried to add food into the first one, but I didn't do it. I didn't do, give it just, uh, its full justice. So yeah. I decided to create a food magazine that went on to win the best food tourism magazine in, in, in the world in 2018 in China. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. No, it was a long way to go for Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, so look, that won that. Uh, that was uh, a kind of a behind-the-scenes food magazine, yeah. but we we introduced you to the chef, and it became yeah. about the chef, not about the actual restaurant, yes. but more focused on the chef and his his favorite dish. And you know, a lot of people enjoyed it because they got to the opportunity to try and cook something at home that a top right. chef would, would cook. Yeah, you know, I even had a go. Now, obviously, I didn't finish up as good yeah. as what they do, but. You know, my wife still had to eat it. Yeah, and where, where where were the where were the the readers coming from? You know, were they were they were they all tourists or were they Irish? You know, kind of domestic start, tourists as well. At the start, our, our distribution base was uh, we had an, an agreement with Fulch Ireland to supply all the tourist offices. Uh, I got into all of the airports. I got into probably nearly all the top hotels along the Atlantic Way at the start. Mm. So. We were supplying the magazines for free. Now uh, you've probably you've seen the magazines, but they're very high yeah. end, very high quality. Yeah, so they good, cost good an absolute fortune. Yeah, good right? pa- good paper costs. <laughs> good paper costs. So um, they cost a fortune, and the beauty of it, and from day one to even to today, I still love seeing somebody pick it up because they all kind of go, they feel like they feel like this can't be free. Yeah. Yeah. And they also say it can be free. So the, the business model is very simple. If we don't sell enough advertising, I go bankrupt. Yeah. You're, 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 you're basically, you're getting the revenue in from the ads that yeah. go into it and then giving it, you know, so it's actually there in the hotel. So somebody arrives in. It's there, the they're, audience. They're yeah, sitting so in the bar and next thing they go, actually, what do we do the next three days? Oh, here we go. Here's, here's literally a guide for the local yeah. area, you know, help us on our way. And people, you know, when people stay in a bedroom and they see it, right, mm. you know, they tend to take a little bit more time. Okay, geez, this is nice. Let's have a look at this. Mm. You know, let's picture. And then they might, they might have had a, an itinerary planned out. Yeah. But suddenly they read the magazine and the itinerary gets tweaked. Yeah. To include something new. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. If we do that, we're succeeding. It's a, it's a great model and it's a great product, um, uh, as is Ireland. Ireland is a great yeah. product too, you know, yeah, so it's, it's a great it's thing. It's a great thing to be, yeah. exactly, yeah, it's a great thing to, to write about. Would you say, you know, so coming from the building sites into to sales in advertising in newspapers into, you know, flipping, as you say, a poacher turned gamekeeper, yeah. then from the other yeah. side or poacher, whichever way it goes, um, and then back into the, a magazine game where you were not only sales now, you were editor, you were uh, logistics, yeah, you were yeah. everything. You know, you, you really yeah. had to kind of make this work for, from that point of view. What would you say got you through that? Because, I mean, that is, that is uh, a, a long and winding road, as the Beatles would say. 
It is, but it's imagination and belief. You have to have very strong belief. You have to know that you're doing the right thing. You will get a lot of people telling you, look, you know, ah, you waste your time. Yeah. But, you know, you have to, you have to see the end game. And the end game for me was, you know, I just want to see the first magazine in print. Yes. You know, yeah. And, you know, I would have had, you know, I'm probably hard to work with uh, if you're an editor because, you know, I've, I know what I want to see, to see in the magazine. Mm. And, you know, editors sometimes come in and they've got a different perspective and I have to take that on board. But I know what I, I, I'm, I'm still the tourist today. When yeah. I pick up the magazine, I want to look at it from the eyeballs of a tourist. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I still have that, I suppose, love to find something new in there. You know, like we've had some great interviews over the years. We had Michael Flatley in there. You know, uh, we're, we've planned to have Stephen Nocton there in uh, March, please. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, but we've had some great interviews and we've had some interesting interviews. And like the stuff that we're doing offline, you know, in, in the Q&As, I like to find out about people. Like mm. I found out about a great guy yesterday, right? Saw a photograph on Facebook from Donegal. Wow, this guy, you know, found his number, rang him and said, look, I want to use your picture, put it on our website. Right. So delighted, right? Yeah. Now he showed me an album. He sent, he, he sent me true pictures. One just arrived there uh, just before we started. And his photographs are amazing. But he's an accidental photographer. Yes, yeah. Goes out, takes some amazing shots and just goes... Do you know why that turned out all right? Yeah. And I love yeah. it. So I'll give him some promotion after a while. So yeah, but like, this is why the, there's fun in the magazine that I, I get to find out about new people. Like, I want to find the person who's, um, and as I said to you, we try to include a couple of entrepreneurs in every magazine for yeah. free. Yeah. I try to find the person who's struggling. Mm. You know, business is not going that well. And maybe if I can direct... An American tour bus. I know there's none, none around right now, but mm. if I can direct an American tour bus to stop off there It'll and buy their entire stock, change their stars. Does. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and it's it's that curiosity that the magazine is quite people focused, isn't it? And it is. Yeah, you, it's, totally, it's totally cur- about people. Yeah. It fits the brand of the Go Wild because you, you do find those little gems. It's not just about the main, you know, this isn't going to be a standard uh, trip you no. take when you read the magazine. It, you actually do go off the beaten track and, as you say, find the accidental photographer or find that little kind yes. of hidden hidden Correct. cafe somewhere else. You know, it's 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 actually nice that you can do that. What do you think drives you? To, because you don't get anything out of that. You know, there, no. there, what what what's driving you to connect in that way with people? Where do you think that comes from in your life? I think, you know, we were lucky in that my, my, my dad forever took us on holidays and we always seemed to go on great holidays, but we holidayed in Ireland quite a lot. Mm. Uh, we had a, you know, a very good upbringing in terms of we were involved in a lot of sports. So I did a lot of rowing around Ireland. I was, uh, you know, playing soccer, playing football, you know, playing everything. But I think I loved Ireland from a very early age. I love the, I love mm. what you can find in Ireland. I love when you can go down to Dublin and, you know, mm. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I can say this on the podcast, but a few of us who were involved in media used to, on a Friday, disappear <laughs> down to Doolin and we go into um, a certain pub, Gus O'Connor's, and you couldn't get phone coverage after 1 p.m. on a Friday. So if any client in the planet was up to you, they could find it. Happy days. So that, re- <laughs> that, that is into the wild. <laughs> Never mind, go wild. <laughs> so yeah, so like that's what I enjoy. I, I enjoy, you know, 
um, sitting outside, there's a pub in uh, Kilbaha, which is, I think, is the furthest point west. Right. And you can have a fish and chips sitting outside the pub. Yeah. The, the road ends there. You cannot go any further west. Excellent. I could have sat there for a week. It's just fabulous. And just watch the waves pounding against the, the shore. So I loved the wild. I mean, I loved the wild Atlantic wave from a very early age. So, you know. Yeah. And I love the fact that it is called the wild Atlantic wave because yeah. I think it, it sells itself. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, your career has been so varied and you got that opportunity to be a boss yourself. You obviously, you know, you were talking about the the editor of the Limerick Leader who yeah. took a chance on you as well. I mean, that, that that's another thing. Do you think that you've had a lot of uh, luck with good bosses over the years? It was the sales manager in the Leader. Oh, the editor. Yeah. Uh, the editor is actually Alan English, was Alan English and he's now the editor of the Sunday Independent. Oh, well, there you go. So he's out there uh, doing really well as well. So, um, yeah, have I been lucky? Yes. I, I was lucky when I found Fergal League, right? Yeah. Uh, I attributed a lot of my success to Fergal when I met my second wife when we got married. Yeah. And I told Fergal that he was an extremely important part of my life because he was the right boss at the right time. Right. Okay. You know, he took a chance on a guy who was full of bravado and full of, you know, I suppose, chancing his arm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Fergal went, yeah. And Fergal saw something that he thought, yeah, that, that's going to work. And it did. And without him, I, you know, I, I don't know what direction my life would have taken. Do you think that that's uh, something that people don't do enough is, is take a chance uh, and have a little bit of optimism about how brilliant people can be? Because obviously you're passing that on now as you connect with different people around the country yeah. and give them a chance and somebody did that for you do you think that kind of yeah. sense of optimism is a thread through your career yeah it certainly is yeah and i think but the problem today is that i think a lot of the younger people today are not being encouraged to take a chance okay i think they need more encouragement i think you know they should give everything a go if you you know so what if you fail i mean the guy who set up mcdonald's failed with nine businesses hmm Right, he wouldn't have survived in Ireland. The banks would have cleaned him out by, by the second one, right? Yeah. But in America, he was allowed. Yeah, keep going. You, you know, you're eventually going to get there. Yeah. But that was some belief in you know that guy to give him nine nine attempts, right? But you know, so I think the young people today should be told, you know, even leaving school, give it a go. Yeah. You look at what can what can happen. You can fail, but failure shouldn't be. A bad thing. Failure is well. I I tried. I gave yeah. it a go, and maybe should look. I I got experience. Yes. Yeah. It should be seen as a a failure. Yeah. Did you uh, did you ever kind of you know with all your optimism and all your can do attitude? Did you ever have one that kind of went? Oh, that didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Over the years, yeah. I had one. Yeah, I had one very uh, expensive one. I did a Santa Claus by satellite, twenty four years ago. Right. Right. Now, Santa by Satellite 24 years ago was a totally different thing. I mean, the telecommunications weren't there. You were using a yeah. massive TV camera. You, you know, Santa was upstairs. And for those who don't know, Brendan O'Carroll actually played Santa for an hour. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so we did the video, but we had a split screen. So the kid, yeah. the final version was the kid and Santa facing each other, right? Excellent, yeah. And I lost a fortune. Right, okay. Two weeks leading up to Christmas. I lost an absolute fortune. Okay. 
Well, look, you know, I it, learned from it. It wasn't the real Santa. You see, that's the problem, Bobby. That was the thing. Yeah, I know. If you, yeah, if but, you, you, if know, you had a hired the big man himself. I know, the big man himself. <laughs> I actually had three. It was so funny. I had three. And it like, they, were, they were so good. Right? Yeah, yeah. They were so good. I actually believed that they were Santa. But there were some lovely stories came out of it. I mean, you know, one kid uh, went in close on, I think it was close to Christmas Eve. And her dad said, look, Bob, you know, she, she hasn't spoken to us. Uh, I think, I'm not sure whether it was several positive, but so, something. And she had kind of gone, no, it must have been autism. She'd gone into lockdown for the last nine months and didn't speak to the parents, didn't right. speak a word, you know, went into her own world. And I said to him, look, put the child in anyway, just she could yeah. go in and chat Santa on, on TV. So she went in and, you know, I had sent a message up to the Santa who was upstairs. Take your time, there's no panic. Right? Yeah. You know, so we just flicked the screen and, you know, now you can call Santa. Yeah. And she yabbered away for 12 minutes. Wow. We had to change the videotape three times. Right. Because it saves only three, three minutes, three or four minutes long, right? Yeah. So she was just yabbing, yabbing, yabbing. The minute she saw Santa, wow, a whole world opened up. Her mum and dad are standing outside and they're crying. I'm crying. Yeah. And we're kind of going, okay, this probably, I'm losing a lot of money here, but this is worth it. Wow, that's an amazing story, isn't it? I mean, that, that that's yeah. a real game changer for that family. Like, it's great yeah, when you was, can do yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Dad said it after. He said, "Bob, you've just made Christmas," and I've gone like, "I knew I was having a shite day." Yeah. And I went, ah, do you know what? It's only money. Do you know what that? That's the best story of optimism I could. You know, you've really showed how it's it's that bounce back ability. Can you take the good out of any situation? Yeah, is is yeah. optimism? Optimism yeah. optimism happens when you're in adversity, not when things are going really well. And uh, you know that, that that's a great story. That great compassionate story of uh, actually really making a difference there. Beautiful story. Um, Thank you. What would you say are the differences between all the sectors that you've worked in in terms of leadership? You know, so you, you kind of very focused on magazines, construction, and then even the the sales industry. Well, Is there different leadership required for each? Leadership in, in advertising. I mean, you know, when you look at it, I thought, my, okay, I suppose my two biggest bosses really in, in the last few years were Mark Hopkins, uh, Fergal Deegan, Irene Hamilton. They were all, you know, extremely positive people mm. okay um and in the in their arena it's all very similar because radio television as you know radio television newspapers if you can sell in that arena for any young person listening right now if you can sell in any of those arenas you can travel the world yeah yeah because the bosses in new zealand the bosses in australia would be exactly the same as the bosses in ireland right okay they have a number to reach, and if you can help, great. Right. The building sites didn't really get on that well with the bosses in the building sites because they just seemed to scream a lot. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. You it's were a- never asked to do something. You were shouted at. Yeah. You know, go up there and on that roof, climb that roof, and you go, well, it's pouring down rain. Yeah, well, we're telling you to go on the roof. And I go, well, me being the cheeky gate, my eye, I went, well, if you go up, I'll follow you up. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I, yeah, I came close to getting sacked a few times. Yeah. So, yeah, look, it was probably inevitable that you were going to move on from that. <laughs> it probably was, yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, Irish tourism at the moment is in a fairly dire place. I mean, they, they, they've seen, uh, you know, the, the spend go down, the traffic go down in terms of visitors, the, you know, 75% of, of tourism in Ireland is, is from people internationally. 
uh, coming in yeah. and obviously that has, has dropped through the floor and we all see the headlines and unfortunately premises are boarded up or shut up at the moment you know is Irish tourism going to be able to recover from this? Yes most certainly without a shadow of a doubt Ireland is I wrote a, I wrote down a line that I could probably describe this for you right Ireland is tourism our mm. heart is tourism our lives are tourism and as a people we are tourism now remember, people don't visit Ireland for the country in, in mm. itself. They visit Ireland for the experience of the Irish people. Mm. They yeah. want to be a part of our gang. I think, you know, the Irish-American population, I believe that 90% of them want to be Irish tomorrow, if they yeah. could. Yeah. You know, yeah. they want to be in our gang. And it's, it's a gang that we don't, we kind of forget when, in, in the daily mundane stuff that we all have to do. It's a gang that we forget. We're we're Irish. We're different. Yeah. And you know, and do you think that we've forgotten you know that, that that maybe when times were tougher we were actually more welcoming and that we've lost a little bit of that land of a thousand welcomes. I know I I think it's still there. I don't I don't agree that we've lost it. I think it got slightly hidden by our success in one way. Yeah. We became very successful. I mean, you know, the Chinese love Ireland, the New Zealanders, the Australians, they all absolutely adore Ireland, right? But sometimes that success can kind of, not that we got complacent, mm. but we were just extremely busy. And yeah. maybe we didn't get the chance to be as welcoming as we could. But I think COVID is going to generate a whole new optimism in Irish tourism. I believe that we will get back on track. I believe, and the reports that I'm hearing through the different sectors, are uh, that they, people outside of Ireland cannot wait to get back to Ireland. Right. So once the airport's open back up again, they'll be back. Yeah, they'll be back. And like, there's no reason for them not to come back. We're a great country. What are the, what are the hidden problems that we're going to be living with in terms of COVID uh, or, you know, the, the fallout, well, of, fallout a, of this? The long-term problems are that we have to adjust and we have to find new ways of doing things. Mm. We have to <clears throat> probably... One of the biggest will be outdoor in Ireland. Outdoor in Ireland is going to become extremely important. Mm. Outdoor activities, outdoor events, outdoor, outdoor that's safe and you know is COVID friendly. Because uh, a lot of the, I, I still see a lot of restrictions in numbers in indoor museums and attractions where they're yeah. going to have to you know, control the numbers. Yeah. So having a, having a new uh, outdoor addition to any museum or to any right. would probably be the new way. Okay. And do you, do you think then that, I mean, we have good outdoor activities, but we probably haven't been exploiting them in terms of even the, the wild Atlantic way or, or our rivers no, we and our forests. No, we, haven't. we haven't really been using them to the best of our ability as a tourism um, uh, no, island. But again, I think, you know, I did a staycation magazine, which was my way of pivoting back in August, right? Yeah. Because I said, well, there's a, an opportunity there. And I think we've had the highest readership just based on our own internal research. We've had the highest re- readership on the staycation issue because people just, the Irish people went, yeah, we need a staycation. There's a magazine that tells us about staycation. We all needed a break at that stage, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> really I know, did. yeah. But it was great because I just went to send it. So like, you know, the magazine got a great response, right? Mm. It was simply done out of, because I had no other magazine to do. Yeah. yeah. Know, let's do a staycation one. But like, yeah, when like we... We all enjoy doing it. It was good fun. We got to do something different, 
Yeah. That's something that the Irish people needed right now. What was you really know? what was really popular in the magazine? What 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 did people really click with? Um I suppose the options, the different options that we gave them in the different counties that they may not have known. You see, when you jump on a plane every summer, you're not really aware of what's around you. You no. know. When you jump on a plane and you say, Oh yeah, where are we going? We're going to Spain, we're going to Portugal, we're going to France, we're going to wherever. But you're kind of forgetting that there's a beautiful little spot ten miles, twenty miles of the road. Yeah that you could just lose yourself in for the day. Like, I mean, I'm sure I know, uh, like, um, the likes of Creelshire, you know, we're beginning to start to understand our forests an awful lot more. Mm-hmm. We're beginning to understand the, there's a one, it's up in Roscommon, I think. It's a huge, big, long boardwalk. It goes on for miles. Can't think of the name of it, but anyway. But there's some amazing things you want to see now. Things that weren't yeah. there years ago. And places where you don't mind getting wet. No, it's yeah. It's spectacular. Yeah, yeah, no, that yeah. I've I've hit I've hit a good few of them this year myself <laughs> yeah, in terms of yeah. I mean there's there's Lockheed Forest Park there's uh, the Quilke Quilke Walkway yeah it's amazing yeah the 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 one up the road from us Dunnery Forest Park is another beautiful one and during the lockdown there was actually queues of people trying to get in yeah. you know there was yeah. queues of people and it, so it great, you know it... whereas the time before that when I went there there was there was nearly nobody there you know what I mean so it was actually great to see it full and being used you know yeah it's great that Irish people have suddenly rediscovered Ireland and I think it gave us all a chance to kind of go hang on maybe we don't need to yeah. take off maybe we could do something more at home you know and I think that will <clears throat> filter out a lot more in the next two years for people who kind of go you know what we need a few more weekend breaks from that place in Kenmare or Kerry or Dingle yeah. or Galway or, you know, and people, I think people will take more time. I think people have become conscious of family time now yeah, and making a little bit more time in their work life yeah. to kind of say, well, look, let's take, a, let's take a weekend break. And do you think it's, you know, money's obviously going to be tight for a lot of people coming into 2021 yeah. because they've taken such a hit this year um, in a lot of cases. Do you think Ireland is good value for money or do you think because of the pressure that international visitors put on this, say, the accommodation that's already there, that the prices are, are really elevated? You know what I mean? There's a, there's a lot of competition for the same bed, if you know what I mean. And therefore there the is, price but, is quite high. <clears throat> yeah, but I think, you know, I think as a, as a race, we're quite clever though, where we we stay right yeah. you know there is a market there for the international tourists yeah, and that so the international tourist expects probably a little bit high, more higher higher end than what we do mm. you know we're quite happy to crash in a in a, in a bnb or an airbnb or a, wherever we're we're happy to crash as a race because we're very easy going yeah you know? yeah whereas international tourists have <clears throat> they've done <clears throat> me, a lot more research yeah and they want what they want for the price that they're getting right yeah the Irish kind of going, yeah, we're, you know, like I think, no, I think there's a mixture. There's a, a nice mixture in Ireland of different rates. Mm, I mean, okay. there's so many tourism options that you shouldn't not find something to suit a budget. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, what do you think the government needs to do to really kind of, you know, let's say, fingers crossed, I'm kind of saying, you know, by March next year, things should be different, hopefully. And we're, we're not in yo-yo lockdown up and down. Yeah. So by March next year, we'll be looking at a, at a good year uh, ahead of us. What do you think the government needs to do to really back, I think, back Ireland as a, as a product, as a tourism offering? Okay, looking at it from, I suppose, from the outside in, you know, and again, I don't know what the plans are because I tend to focus on what we do. I don't 
engage that much in you know different fall and events or tourism yeah. events or that because I like to keep the magazine separate so that I'm looking at Ireland in a different perspective. But yeah. I would suggest that fall and tourism are given much bigger budgets. Right. Yeah. I think the government need to say you know like tourism, tourism, tourism and hospitality is such a big employer mm. that it, you know the co- the cost of not giving them even more money. Yeah, you know, seriously outweighs the cost of the job losses. So, whatever it costs, like we know the UK are borrowing millions and the Americans are borrowing millions, we need to borrow to support tourism and hospitality. We yeah. need to get them back. We need tourism, Ireland, need to be given, you know, a car planche to kind of go, look, get us back some numbers we had pre COVID. Just get us mm. back. Do yeah. whatever is needed, get us back. Do you think there's, um, an over-reliance on, on casual labour within the tourism industry and, you know, therefore it, it's not as attractive for a career for young people because, you know, in, in other countries I've gone to, I've seen the, the, the waiter is a professional waiter who makes his life and feeds his kids and his family grow up and the kids go to college. But yeah. he, he's able to make a life for himself out of being a waiter. Whereas in Ireland, we don't pay enough, basically, you know, so we don't professionalise no, it enough. Uh, for them we to have that but, career we don't but i think you know i think you know the places like the shannon hotel college of management and that they've done a lot of work in the last few years to try and you know increase the experience of people and to send much more qualified people out into the marketplace mm. but companies have to realize you know i mean the waiter is the person who's meeting the tourist all the time mm. you know like as i said about the food magazine i set up the food magazine simply because we had gone to so many restaurants kind of going, hi, tell the chef that was fabulous. Should they probably tell the chef it was terrible? You know, the yeah. chef is inside. He's sending out a creation as far as he's concerned. Yes, yeah, yeah. He wants feedback. He wants it right now, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's why we, we said, yeah, look, you know, let's sort of magazine that actually captures that. So the waiter, the waiter is probably the most important, important person in the yeah. hotel or restaurant. And, and actually, you mentioned the chefs there. I mean, uh, the, the colleges you know, they, they struggle to get people who are attracted to that because of, you know, the, the unsocial hours of, of, of chefing. And, 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 you know, we need good quality people in those roles because that's actually what separates us from the, from the rest of the competition, isn't it? I mean, so how, is, do, yeah. how do we attract people to, you know, because that's the bread and butter, um, excuse the food pun, of, of the tourism industry is people, you know, having good food, good crack, meeting good people, going to see great places, you know, and the food and, and, and the entertainment is all part of that. But how do we attract people into this as, well, as salary, a career? Sa- you know, but, yeah, but salary has to be the, has to be the key, key denominator. I mean, nobody wants to work, you know, on social hours for, you know, for small money. Mm. You know, if you're, if you're well well paid, I know a lot of restaurants are paying. There's a lot of restaurants out there who pay very well, right? You know, mm. and uh, you know, so and they have managed to keep their staff for a number of years. So you yeah. don't keep your staff for a number of years unless you pay them well. Yeah, right? yeah. So the ones that are very successful, and I know quite a few. I'm not going to mention names here, but I know quite a few who you know I've I might not have been in the restaurant for two or three years, but I could mm. walk in tomorrow and I say hi, Mary, hi, Joe, because they're all still there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and, they, the and they've made a great culture, obviously, and, and as you say, pay them well yeah. enough that they want to stay. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Stephen, if, if you take your uh, wife and family out for a bite to eat, the person who greets you, you know, that can decide your entire meal before you even see the food. Yeah. Before you even see the menu. Yeah. 
Have you seen any of the people that you've interacted with uh, through the magazine come up with any great innovations as to, you know, you know, to, to change their own model or to, to, to do things a little differently? <clears throat> well, there's always, there's always new things happening. You know, it's just trying to stay on top of what's happening with news, you know, the most difficult part. I mean, I really enjoy the Late Late Show last Friday night. And I very seldom watched the Late Late Show. I'm being straight up. But I watched it last Friday night because I knew there was an, an enterprise thing on it. Yeah, back to and, business program, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, Oliver Kerwin from uh, Elite Events in Kerry came up with a box of smiles. A now, box I love of smiles. Because, a box of smiles. Because he, he creates a box. So it's a list, it's one product from all different people in the box. Right. From different people to Killarney and different people to Cork. So the Cork producers had, you know, a box and all mixed up stuff. So I thought, what a, what a great idea. Box of smiles, you know. Yeah. But I mean, he was running elite events, and I know that you're a you're a runner, so you know he was running very successful, a huge number of events hmm. all across the country, and suddenly he's gone bump, yeah. no events, yeah. But he went, you know what? I think his team got together and they kind of said, yeah, let's do this product. And going, wow, what? Now that was a transformation. That was a yeah. huge transformation. It really was. Good, you know, good, good people always come up with good ideas and, and, and make an effort. It's, do, that, it's yeah. that optimism again, isn't it? You know, the optimism yeah. and the yeah. resilience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you just have to see that the glass is always full, you know. Yeah. And, and for yourself, you've had to adapt your own model as well, of course, because hard copy magazines uh, in the hotels and, and in the different businesses is, is not yeah, an no, option the, at the uh, moment. March was a bit of a nightmare month for us because we would just suddenly discover that, you know, uh, we couldn't place the magazines where we wanted them. So mm. we developed a new QR code, right? Right. So basically, the, I supplied the uh, airports and the hotels and that with a QR code yeah. that uh, a client could scan using their phone and okay. actually get it, get it straight into the magazines, right? Okay. That was our first uh, pivot. And then we recently set up Go Wild Ireland. So Go Wild Ireland is a digital directory. So... <clears throat> um, we plan on promoting Ireland. <laughs> okay, sorry. We launched this the same day as the lockdown. We did it for a reason. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. You know, who, uh, who in the country would launch a website on the day of lockdown? But I did. So <laughs> we did it to try and support the tourism, tourism and hospitality industries so they can have a webpage on our website. Yeah. Right? And they can have it there all year. And I'm going to promote that externally on Lonely Planet, Travel Zoo, Irish Central. And uh, we, we were on, as, as you, you know, we were on Lonely Planet. We're yeah, it was, it was actually, I mean, that was an amazing coup that, that was actually picked yeah. up. So, you know, so this innovation was actually picked up by Lonely Planet and featured on their yeah. website, which is obviously the biggest travel website in the world. Correct. So look, I mean, that's, you know, I believe the exposure there is 4 million, right? Wow. Normally, I normally I don't get out of bed for less than five million. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's amazing. What what kind of feedback have you been getting? Because obviously they they just picked that up and spotted and said, okay, this is how it's been. This is how it's been well, done in Ireland. A great no, way to do it. Didn't it. just pick it up. Okay, no, I, the, the, no, no. I discovered that uh, a very kind Irish lady, lady by the name of Noreen Hegarty, is the uh, vice president of digital content. Wow. Okay. So I made a phone call and we had a chat and I thought, you know, this is a phone call that I'm not going to, I'm just going to get told, you know, take a run and skip. Yeah. But no, she just said, Bob, I don't see us as competition. And I was, I was kind of glad because they're ginormous and I'm not. And uh, yeah. she said, look, we'd be happy. I think it's a lovely idea. So she covered it. 
And that's the power of networking then, isn't it? That's the power of networking, yeah. So, you know, hopefully travel is our next because I'm in, in I was talking last week with uh, the editor, Gabe Sigley. Gabe did a, a tour, I think it was last year, the year before, on the west coast of Ireland, yeah. which he uh, fed back by TV to the States. Hmm. And I emailed him and said, hi, I'd love to interview you. You know, so he was, yeah. he featured in our magazine last year. And now he's going to try and support us with the new Go Wild Ireland. So see. That, that's what's going to get us back running as a country, isn't it? Uh, you know, yeah, the tourism totally. industry is actually people working together like that. Uh, not not everybody seeing everybody else's competition or as somebody trying to eat your lunch. It's actually that yeah. together we need to support each other. But together, yeah, because that's that's the only way forward. I mean, we can't we can't do it if you have, you know, if someone said to me once, Bob, you must have competition. And I go, I probably do, but I, I never checked. Mm. Yeah. So if you if you spend your time focusing on the competition, yeah, you're only going to copy what they're doing. Right. Yeah. So you know if you believe you're right, keep going. Sure, look, how can happen? Yeah, absolutely. Just keep driving forward. Bobby Power, that sounds like a really good sentiment to leave this conversation on. Yeah. Keep keep driving forward. Thanks very much for the conversation and best of luck with the magazines and with the website. Where can people look at that website? Because it's full of good Go, stuff, isn't it? GoWildIreland.com Thanks a million for coming on the Good Boss, yeah. Bad Boss podcast, Bobby. Perfect. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate that. Listening to Bobby as a tonic, he is a brilliant way of banishing negativity and taking the positive angle on every situation. If you want to get your business featured on Go Wild Ireland Digital Directory, then reach out to Bobby on LinkedIn or go through GoWildIreland.com. I guarantee you will feel better for having talked to, to Bobby Power. Let me give a quick plug to a local business just before Christmas that I think will grow and grow in the coming years. Hollow Toys was started by husband and wife team Declan and Kate, along with their business partner. It's, it's a range of kids' products that comes to life. It inspires creativity and imagination through the power of augmented reality. I love a good gadget, and this augmented reality thing is really cool. It's available online and in Ken Black's toy stores, so it might be a great gift for your kids. That's all we have time for and that's it. 2020 is done. All the previous episodes of the podcast are available on my website www.stephennaughton.com and there really is something there for everyone. I love getting feedback about which episodes you've enjoyed so do contact me and connect. You can find more from me on Instagram at goodbossbadbosspodcast. I promise I'll be back next month with another Good Boss Bad Boss guest. So until 2021, goodbye. Goodbye.